And I started drinking while I was helping the customers. Um, I blacked out, wound up home with like $8,000 cash in my pocket, ended up I robbed the place. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes, set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, you got with you today, the Knucklehead Stephen, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, I say that every episode. Do you know why? Uh, because we have some of the the funnest guests. We have probably the broadest range uh, of spectrum of of, uh, of guests. Uh, of shows that are out there. And the reason why I say that is, is we've got people who've been out of business. We've got people who are, you know, building eight and nine figure companies that are on the show. And the reason why is the commonality between all of those folks up to and including our guest today is they don't mince words about the mistakes that they've made. They've screwed up. They've messed up. They've earned their failures. They've earned some of the breakthroughs that they have in their life. And, uh, and today we have, we have with us none other uh, than the comeback coach himself, Richard Kaufman. So thank you guys for having me. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. He's excited about a, um, like a lacrosse game or some type of handball tournament that's going on a little bit later on today. So, uh, it's nice to, it's nice that you have, uh, it's nice that that sport has supporters, uh, here in North America. That's cool. Such a wise ass. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us today. Uh, tell people, so now that we know a little bit about what the show's about, it's, it's a, it's about this, uh, this epidemic, so to speak of inauthenticity that exists, uh, largely through these social media channels and these types of mediums. Uh, we want to get down to the core, uh, of what set the foundation for helping us move from one phase of life to the next. And that's really the mistakes. I mean, the mistakes are the glue that, that really give us, um, uh, the the bond between those experiences, and I know that you 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 yourself you've you've gone through a lot. Uh, everybody listening may or may not be familiar with it, uh, but talk to people a little bit about who you are and and um, you know your time serving our country. We appreciate that. Uh, appreciate your service. But talk to people a little bit about about you and your background. Okay, quick down and dirty. I, I grew up poor. Uh, my father left when I was three months old. Moved around from place to place. I became an alcoholic by the age of 12, full-blown alcoholic, joined the military, stayed for a couple of years, got thrown out for being a drug addict Tom, and alcoholic. I got to stop you. I got to stop you. I know you're in flow. How in the world do you become an alcoholic by 12? Well, there was always alcoholic around alcohol around my house. And once I found the taste of it, uh, that was a wrap. So, I, and then I just found like-minded troublemakers and we all just, did what we did. So by about 13, I was a full-blown alcoholic. When did you stop drinking? Uh, do, do, do. I got 32 years clean and sober now. So I, I quit when I was 20. Why did you decide to quit? I mean, most of the guys that I know that drink alcohol and have a problem with it, most of the people, and when I say guys, I mean women too. Most of the people that I know that drink and do it at a relatively young age, uh, they they either die or they're some of the most successful people on the planet or they never get their lives together and they end up in jail. Well, what happened was I got a job bartending with a friend of mine. He, owns a, um, he, he was a police officer and he owned a bar in town. 
And I, this was in New Year's Eve in 1989. And I started drinking while I was helping the customers. Um, I blacked out, wound up home with like $8,000 cash in my pocket. Ended up, I robbed the place. And uh, knocking on the door. And he was going to either put me in jail or I had to come clean. And I had to pay back whatever was missing. And he told me, but I also had to hit 90 meetings in 90 days. And I hit like 350 meetings in a row or something like that. And I haven't had a drug or drink since. I was looking at five years time. So it was either go to jail. Back then I was too pretty to go to jail. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to meetings. And I got clean. But I, I stopped drinking most people before most people started drinking. And I haven't had a drink or a drug since. So at 20 years old, 20 years old, you decided to, uh, to get clean. Yep. Um, just real quick, uh, you may or may not remember, but what changed the most in your life at day 351 uh, versus the day that you, uh, that you woke up and heard him knocking on your door? What changed? I became self-aware. And that's a lot for a 20-year-old to find out, you know, well, it's either you drink or you die. So that was that was the way I look at it. Even when I tell my wife today, if I have one drink today, I'm a dead man. I'm not coming back. Well, two things, two things that that uh, you know, I don't want to dis discount your experiences because I think that there's there's different methods, right, to to dealing with that challenge. One of them is don't touch it again. Yeah. Uh, not uh, realizing that there's something broke uh, in the mechanism that makes up our decision making process, and one of them is. I don't even want to deal with it anymore because if I do, then it's still broke. Uh, yeah. Another one is, um, and I've got a, a sibling who's been in Alcoholics Anonymous for quite some time and a really, really close person in my life, but I've seen anxiety um, is, uh, is an issue that I've had to deal with myself. Uh, depression, um, you know, not wanting to end my life. I mean, I've got two beautiful kids. They're incredibly charismatic little boys. I've got an incredible wife. Why on earth would I want to end that? except that I'm so in my own head and I think that I'm more important than I really am that, Oh, I'm just not going to be here anymore. Suicide is such a cop out. It's such a, it's such a, um, I mean, really it's a, it's a way of saying, I just want all the attention to be about me. And, um, if people would realize that, uh, if they get no attention when they're, when they're gone and that the reality is, is, is people are going to be angry for the things that they've done and they just dealt with them in the world where they still had an opportunity to do it, there'd be a lot less of it. Yep. I, that, and that's what I'm doing now. That's what I, I'm focusing the rest of my life on now is helping people break through and stuff that, like depression and suicide, stuff like that. All right. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's a noble cause. It's a big journey. Um, when I say a big journey, I'm talking about the road is very broad. However, the message that you're, uh, that you're speaking uh, is a very narrow path and, and help people understand a little bit about what's different with the way that people make decisions when they're sober versus how they make decisions whenever they're a dysfunctional drunk. Well, there's also such thing as being a dry drunk and then there's such thing as being sober. Being sober is having a sober thought. Being a dry drunk is, means you're an asshole, but you still drink. You, you just don't drink. And being a sober person is a person that, you know, you start realizing, like you said, you know, the, the world is not all about you. You're, it's all about giving back to the world. And I think that's the main difference between being sober and being dry. It's a big difference. Yeah, there's a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. 
Um, and okay, so those terms, I think it's important to delineate and hone in on this because you've experienced both. Um, when you're when you're in a scarcity mindset, what are some things that people do that um, that will keep them in that cycle, that vicious cycle of just feeding on themselves and continuing to perpetuate that scarcity? Well, like I, I wrote in my book, uh, one of the main things is um, like I was talking to one of my um, one of my mentors, Ed Milet, and we were talking. And the thing is, people have to start. I, by myself, I had to start changing the tapes that were playing over and over in my head. Because once you change the tapes, then it's when your life can change. But if you're still having that negative mindset, you're still listening to those tapes from your past over and over again, you're never going to get anywhere. When you say tapes, are you talking about your own thoughts that you're repeating in your mind? Yep. Okay. How does somebody do that? It's a lot of it ends up being what you listen to what you watch on TV, who your friends are. They say you're, you're, you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And your mind doesn't know the difference if you're listening to a podcast or if there's somebody sitting next to you. Your mind does not know the difference. So even if you want to change your – you can't say if a person can't leave their house, they can still start listening to positive messages, and eventually that they will become a positive person because the mind doesn't know the difference. So what in your life, um, the mistakes that you were making, I mean, you, you talked about, um, you talked about, uh, largely the, the cause of the issues was your ability to not make decisions or your inability to make quality decisions whenever you were drinking. Uh, what, what about your decisions changed whenever you started having sober thoughts, what became your new normal and how did you process the, the outside world? Um, and then, cause you, your ex- expectation was things were going to be more positive, I would like to know what happened when you realized that life didn't care if you were sober or drunk, it still slapped you upside the face. And what was your reaction? Oh, uh, well, I didn't start. I mean, I was, I got clean at 20, but I didn't get sober until, um, September 11, 2001. So I was still acting out. I just wasn't drinking th- that 12 years. And then after nine 11 happened, um, my whole mindset changed to where, um, I made a deal with God that I want to be able to help as many people as I can now. I lived the first 32 years for myself. Now I'm living the rest of my life to help others. Well, good on you. I mean, I, that's uh, that first step is exactly what you talked about um, with, you know, the change that pe- some people have to, to go through. First of all, they have to realize there's a problem, right? And then once they've uh, once they've identified that there's a problem, they have to identify what needs to change. And that change in management process is different, whether you're a business, you're an individual. Um, uh, the commonality between those two is, uh, is the reaction of how you change. Um, so what did you, what did you change? And then what changed about your intentional action uh, once you decided to change? Well, I, I rejoined the military at this time and I was about to be thrown out again at the end of September, 2001. And then after 9-11, I talked to my company commander to keep me, give me one last chance. And thank God he did, because I ended up doing a total of like 23 or 24 years. And um, my mindset just changed that I started to become more aware aware of people around me. I, I decided, you know, that the world doesn't revolve around me. So I just decided to start looking for ways to bless others. 
And I still do that today. I just look any way I can every day. I look for ways to bless others. And then once you start taking yourself out of the equation, your, your whole life opens up. And when that, then I decided, you know, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me anymore. And when you, when you stop caring what everybody else thinks is when you're actually truly free. Because then you could be who you were meant to be, who God made you to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that's a, it's more of an abundance mindset, right? And it's more of a, uh, just a, an acceptance of responsibility greater than what you're capable of at that point, right? So I've, I've heard it said that once you get your framework right, once you get your perspective right, then you start to outline the tactics and the skills and developing those things that can help you get back to where you need to go or, or get to that BHAG or the big, hairy, audacious goal. So, yeah. um, all right. So what, 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 tell people about what you're doing now. How can people connect with you? And, and then what can you do to help them? Well, your boy, Donnie Boyvin said to say, hey, I talked to him yesterday. He was the first person ever had me on his podcast. And that's when my life changed that day because I started talking to him about how even though I was drinking and everything, I was still in the health field industry, health and fitness. And I've had 30, over 30 years in the health and fitness industry. And we started talking about how I work with players from the NFL, Major League Baseball, WWE. And then I started telling him my backstory. And he said, that's what I need to tell people is my backstory. There's so many other people that are in the health and fitness industry. There's, there's thousands, there's a dime a dozen. But for people like me that have come back from hell and came back and, and are actually making a difference in the world, he said, that's what you started to do. So that's why I started the guesting on a lot of different podcasts. And he actually got me, helped me to write my book that I just put out. Well, Donnie is, uh, Donnie's, he's very good at helping people understand. Um, the strengths that they inherently have, that they don't have to struggle uh, to go out and produce. You do that. That's uh, that's what's great. Now, he was the first one to ever make me cry on, on a podcast. Is that right? I was crying like a little girl. So oh, good. Uh, yeah, good. Well, it, it happens. It's, it's good for your soul too to cry a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, especially when it's uh, breakthrough on, on what it is that you need to do. So, so what you're doing uh, as the comeback coach, you're talking about a physical element, a physical issue that somebody has. You help them come back. Or are you talking about the space, the six inches between their ears? You help them come back by orienting that first. Well, it all goes together because if there's a if there's something wrong, either physically, spiritually, or emotionally, the other two things are going to be affected. So you have to become the total person. So like when I work with athletes to say if they've come back from Achilles industry, I mean Achilles tear or if they have um, something wrong with their body, they first have to decide mentally that they're going to come back. Because if they don't decide mentally, they're going to come back. Physically, they'll never come back. So I try to help people that are dealing with all three different things. Because there's so many people out there. Yeah, I know. I get it. I mean, there's there's a Michael Jordan's old coach, Tim Grover, and talks about it in Relentless. Um, David David Goggins talks about it in his book uh, about how mind over matter, he essentially largely made it through um, made it through Navy SEAL training with two broken legs, if you go back and read his book. Uh, but what have you found in your time with people? What's the commonality between all those people who um, still mess up, till still screw up, but don't have their mindset right? What What's the biggest commonality or traits of those who just don't make it? They're afraid to ask for help. They're, they're afraid to say, you know what? I uh, I have a problem. Like I went to go speak at a rehab a couple weeks ago. I try to do a rehab about once or twice a week or a jail. And some of these people, like I went up and hugged this 18-year-old kid 
He says, you know what? I've never been hugged, hugged by a grown man in my life. So when I go talk to people at these rehabs and, you know, just people that they're just afraid to reach out and say, you know what? I got a problem. And especially veterans, because we're so we're all supposed to be all hula hula hardcore. But, you know, we're just people. And and I think we just have to get out there. And when you say, you know, you talk to a brother like me and you were talking, when I ask you, how are you? I mean, how are you? I don't just mean, you know, talk about the weather, talk about, you know, sports. It just, you know, men have to be able to talk to each other. And and I think if we do that, we could change the world. If we could just have somebody just willing to say, all right, you know, like, like I'm, I'm open. People can message me, Facebook me anytime. And I'm always there for them. Just even sometimes just to bend an ear. Sometimes somebody just needs somebody to listen to. And that's that's what God has called me to do. He's called me to become an encourager and a promoter of others. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, what you've, what you've done is you've identified that the result of potentially a, an environment where people um, haven't, um, you know, haven't uh, thrived the way that they want to, or uh, haven't necessarily come into the same perspective of, Hey, there's, there's an abundance that's out there. Everybody's got their own path to take. Um, there's, there's, largely been folks that have been immensely successful uh, with holding a lot of those secrets in. And you've seen a lot of those larger than life folks fall from grace uh, pretty abruptly because they didn't deal with those demons uh, internally of what you're talking about. Uh, And there's no, there's no one pathway to success. The commonality between of it is the work, the action necessary in order to get people uh, focused and oriented the right way. So where's the biggest commonality or what are the top three things that you've seen from those people that do make it? Uh, number one, like somebody always, they always ask me like, what am I, what is important to me? Being humble, uh, being teachable and finding good mentors. I think those are, that would be the top three that I mentioned on every podcast because without those, without those three, I wouldn't be here today alive would be, that would be my three. What's the difference in your mind uh, based off of your experience? Like how many people have you worked with individually? Oh, I, in my 32 years, probably hundreds, I would say. And right now I probably have about five or eight different people that I'm working with on a constant daily basis. And then my, my work, I work at my store. So I run a successful general nutrition center. So I'm helping people, you know, 10, 11 hours a day physically there. So I don't even know how many. Well, when you do the math uh, and you look at the number of experiences and the, and the minutes and the hours adding up in terms of the years and years of education that you've had around uh, those, and if those are the three things that are the most important in terms of the people that have made it, what effect in, on the relationships have you had, or excuse me, the, what effect on the relationships that you've been a part of uh, that's been the most negative thing? that you have to deal with and still overcome and, and go out there and make it to another day? Oh, well, people that have known me, they don't, they know that I'm blind in this eye. I, I don't have any vision in this eye. Um, I, I actually got ran over by a Humvee and he ran over my head and my whole body. So sometimes I get in that deep, dark depression, but then I'm like, so, you know, you're the comeback coach. You got to come back from it. So that's what I do. So sometimes it's a struggle getting out of bed every day. But I have to do it because now I have people also relying on me, you know, figure, okay, well, if you're going to be the comeback coach, how are you not going to be able to come back for something? So, yeah, 
we call that don't be beta. Exactly. So, you know, just, and I think a lot of people gravitate towards me because I'm, I'm just honest about whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to be something that I'm not, you know, I'm just a regular dude. Yeah, no, I understand that. Well, sometimes that familiarity uh, is, is a shtick for some folks. Like it's not a, it's not a, it's off. It's not authentic. They, they try to play it off like it is that way. Uh, but when you're talking about how sometimes it is still difficult to get out of bed, what that is, is that is honest. That is authentic. There's not one person out there that's got this thing figured out. There's, well, the funny thing is like, if you go, like if a guy like me goes into a rehab or a prison and I start spouting BS, they're going to call me out in a minute. You know, they can real, real understands real. And, and you know, like if I met you outside somewhere, I'm going to be the same person here that I am outside. I'm going to be the same person I'm at work that I'm here. I'm the same guy everywhere. So I don't have to worry about putting on airs. I don't care what people think. That's what's great about, uh, that's what's great about, I believe this country. Uh, but that's, what's great about freedom is you have the freedom of choice to screw up. You have the freedom of choice yeah. to, uh, to largely jeopardize, um, your future, but you also have the freedom to go make it happen. Um, so I, I was, I was just talking to somebody about action and action steps. There's consequences to every decision, positive or negative. But just because negative things happen, just because there's bad consequences to the decisions that you've made, doesn't mean you mean that you're bad. And it also means that if you keep going, you will encounter those good consequences. So don't stop. Well, I think one of my favorite quotes is think that things happen for you. They don't happen to you. So everything is a teachable and learnable moment. So if you look at life like that, even the negative stuff becomes positive. Hundred percent. Well, anything that you uh, that you want to wrap and uh, and leave these people with, because we've got Richard Kaufman here, the comeback coach. You can search the comeback coach, Richard Hoffman. Yeah, they can hashtag the comeback coach, or they can find me on Facebook. I'm just Richard Kaufman. So, or they can actually get my pick up my book on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. And the last two chapters actually talks about helping veterans get going through suicidal issues. And a portion of the proceeds go back to helping veterans that are suicidal. Awesome. Well, if you want to find out more information, you know how to find Richard. He just told you how to get in touch with him. He told you how to support him, too. So uh, for those of you who, uh, who like listening to the Knucklehead Podcast, we got a new episode coming out every Tuesday. Uh, Richard and his book are available. His book is available uh, there on Amazon. Uh, but he also told you, listen, there, there may be some things that he's talking about that create some questions and that's okay. Those questions uh, largely deserve an audience, largely deserve at least an opportunity to, to, to flush them out. He told you how to get in touch with him. If he's not available, you can always get in touch with us. He referenced somebody a little bit earlier in this podcast named Donnie Bovine. He's the same way. We're interested in helping you, helping those who, those of you who are listening to have those synapses, or excuse me, to, uh, to bridge the gap between where you're at to where you want to be. It's not going to be easy, but uh, you'll need some help along the way. And that's what guys like uh, Richard and, and I are here for. So, Richard, we appreciate you, man. It won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. That's right. It, it will be worth it. Um, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you taking some time to uh, tell people a little bit about not just your story, but... I like how you just said that. I mean, you just people know the difference between um, somebody who's being inauthentic and being real and um, the places that you go to actually go help those folks. 
they'll call you out on it. Yeah. Like I said, the, the last three things, be humble, be teachable, and find a good mentor. Find a, Build a relationship with somebody. So those would be the top, those would be the three things I would leave them with. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you taking some time, bud. Uh, you can check out Richard on Facebook, uh, order his book over there on Amazon, and you can interact with Knucklehead Podcast everywhere across uh, whatever you're listening to podcasts. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, and uh, if you want to fall asleep, we have some videos on YouTube that will help you fall asleep. So when you wake up, though, the next morning, make sure you get in touch with Richard by his book because uh, how you start your day and how you get out of bed, he's just talked about it got to be able to go out there and get you some wins so anyway richard we appreciate it um thank you guys so much i appreciate you and uh with that we are done we're wrapped